everyone. You're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here again today with my wife, Jenny. Hi. Uh, And she's a little bit frustrated. It's a good thing we waited and didn't record everything she was just saying, honestly. (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of the Old Testament stuff. (laughs) Makes me angry. So today what we're reading about is probably a story that you've heard about, even if you haven't heard much about the Bible. Um, We're talking about David's sin with Bathsheba. Um, So basically what happens is that David sees Bathsheba taking a bath out on a rooftop. Uh, He arranges for her husband to be killed because she becomes pregnant because he had uh, like an adulterous relationship with her. Um, And then there's kind of this whole topsy-turvy situation where prophets get involved. There's judgment. Uh, There's a lot of ups and downs in this reading, I think. Is that fair, Jenny? I think so. This one kind of had me on like an emotional roller coaster. She's wound up, guys. She's wound up. (laughs) I just feel like there's a lot going on that it it just feels like you're kind of watching one of these like made up crime shows of today where there's lies, there's deceit, there's murder. And it's just like all because of one person's really terrible decisions. And it impacts so many different people in so many different ways. It's just frustrating to know that this actually happened. All right. So my frustration with this story is that it gets retold a lot. And if you've heard this before in church, or if you had it on the flannel graph in Sunday school, uh, basically it gets told this way. David sinned, he messed up, uh, but he repented. And that's why he's a man after God's own heart is because he made it right that he sinned. And it kind of undersells how broken this story is. uh, Because not only does David just like seek out this woman. Like, if you're wondering why she's able to just be dragged into the palace to have sex with this guy, it's because he's the king. She can't actually say no. Mm -hmm. Um, And when she becomes pregnant, he just basically has her husband killed. Uh, A little bit of extra credit here. Uriah the Hittite is actually listed. We've read it in the past. Um, Uriah the Hittite is listed in this list of David's mighty men. So there's these, there's 37 men specifically listed as like the mighty warriors of David and Uriah the Hittite is listed. Now I think that we can take from that. He actually knows this guy. This is not like some stranger that's just a nobody in his army. He knows Uriah the Hittite. And so not only does he have sex with his wife while he's away at war, he sends him off and has him murdered. Well, even more than that, not only does he have him murdered, he, like, tries in very, like, secretive, creepy ways to try to, like, get him to go home to make it look like nothing happened between David and Bathsheba. He tries to say, oh, just go home. Go be with your wife. Go spend time with her just to kind of get it pushed under the rug then. And out of his desperity, when that doesn't work, then it's like, okay, we might as well just completely get him out get him out of the picture yeah we've we've been talking about contrast between saul and david here we get a contrast between uriah and david uriah is hanging back from the war he's not out fighting um he's stealing this man's wife so then he tries to set it up where people could assume that this is actually uriah's baby Mm -hmm. Uh, but uriah has a lot of character he's not he wants to be out with the army Um, so uriah stands out and then uriah is killed Uh, And Nathan shows up uh, with this prophecy. Now, what's interesting about this prophecy or with Nathan or this little story that Nathan tells um, is that I think it shows us that a lot of times if if we are stuck in sin 
or if we are living in deceit or we're trying to fool people, a lot of times what we tend to do is just get on other people's case. It, it makes us feel a little bit better uh, to just see what everybody else is doing wrong. And so that's what happens to David. Like Nathan tells this short little story. He's actually just telling like a made up story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, hey, this guy had a special sheep. And David's like, you know what? Whoever stole that sheep, we should just kill that guy. Like, he actually misses that this is a made-up story completely, and he's just ready to kill this guy because he's so angry. And then Nathan is like, oh, yeah, that's you, uh, which I would have loved to see David's face in that situation. <laughs> like, oh, crap. <laughs> so David uh, kind of freaks out. Uh, he realizes he's caught. That's another hitch that I have with this story. I'm not sure why it's, like, super repentant to say sorry once you get caught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, a little bit weird. Uh, but then we go into Psalm 51, uh, and Jenny has some thoughts about Psalm 51 as well. I think uh, it, it, it it caused her to doubt her favorite song. <laughs> I don't know about my favorite song, but uh, I was definitely a 90s church, small church kid, and this was like one of our favorites up until like 2015. <laughs> but um, what's the song called? Creating Me a Clean me Heart. Heart. Yeah, and we would sing this song so passionately as this little tiny church, but... Ultimately, this is kind of like David's like cry to God, like, hey, I just committed adultery, and, and then I killed this woman's husband, and please forgive me song. <laughs> so it has a little, totally different context and meaning for me. So it turns out sometimes we sing Creating Me a Clean Heart without context of knowing what it's about. <laughs> uh, so Psalm 51, I, this is one of the things I love about this Bible, that it puts the Psalms in, in where they were written. And you can see, I think, a pretty repentant heart here. I mean, David writes this psalm. He understands that uh, his sin is just disgusting before God. Mm-hmm. And so this is his repentant song, his repentant psalm. Um, and I, I like, actually, towards the end, he talks about um, God isn't going to be pleased with a sacrifice, or he's not going to be mm-hmm. happy with a burnt offering. He just wants a broken spirit. And I think there's a lesson there for us that, like, even when we're doing the right things, right? Even when we're going to church and even when we're singing the songs and raising our arms and listening to the pastor, like whatever it is, whatever your flavor of churchy religion, um, even if we're doing those things in the wrong spirit without, you know, a heart that is open to God and repentant for our sin and appreciating the sacrifice of our Lord for us, uh, God doesn't love that. And I think that that, even that is a great lesson for us today. Like, man, we got to have our hearts in the right place. Uh, And I think that is how we know David got to a repentant spot, because he's saying, like, I don't actually want to just do all the right things. I want to do all the right things in the right spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, So then we get into this tangled situation um, where judgment has been proclaimed on David in several different ways. And Jenny has a problem with this, too. I just kind of feel like, David did something wrong. David is like punished by God, but ultimately the punishment falls on really Bathsheba and ultimately the child, which is just like very perturbing to me. So why is that perturbing to you? Why are we using because fancy words like perturbing? I would say that other times is like gross. <laughs> I I just think it's really weird how it ultimately ends up on the child and not David, and I just don't like that. It just doesn't sit well. So a lot of times we undersell the fallout from this whole thing, and we actually start to see the fallout when Nathan rebukes David. Uh, It's 2 Samuel 12, it's starting in verse 10, 
Nathan says, from this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says, because of what you have done, I, have, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. What you did secretly, I will make happen to you openly in sight of all Israel. So there's, there's like a, a curse, basically, that comes down on David that is, your life is not going to go like you assumed. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of pain that's coming because of, the dis- of this decision. So what, what I take away from this is that there is forgiveness for David, uh, but there is also still judgment. And that judgment lasts in a lot of ways. You think about uh, this, this situation with this baby, which obviously Jenny is a little bit frustrated with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't feel good that this baby dies because of, of David. Um, but I think that shows us that there is judgment in this situation. Obviously, it's a little bit of a complicated situation. Like, why does this, why does this baby have to be part of it? Uh, but that's what the story lays out for us. Um, and also, this family now is going to start to get ripped apart because of all these things. And so, David's actions are going to affect a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And so, it's not real great to be like, oh, there's forgiveness and repentance. Obviously, David's life would have been a lot better if he just stayed laser focused on what God wanted for his life uh, and following him. And it's the same way for us. There is forgiveness for us. Uh, and we can we can go to, to, to God and we can trust Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, but sometimes what gets missed when we talk about that is the fallout from the decisions that we make until we get there. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to God's Whole Story. Uh, we are excited to be doing this journey with you. I hope you're getting something out of it. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, what What do you take away from this story of David? What do you think about uh, this whole situation with David and Bathsheba? You can leave us a comment on our Instagram. You can send us an email at podcast at worshipcenter.org. Whatever way you want to get a hold of us, you can. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you tomorrow. First Chronicles, starting in chapter 20, verse 1. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, Joab led the Israelite army in successful attacks against the land of the Ammonites. In the process, he laid siege to the city of Rabbah, attacking and destroying it. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. 2 Samuel 11 In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when he came to the palace, he slept with her. She had completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message, saying, I'm pregnant. Then David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, Go on home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked, What's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? Uriah replied, The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents, 
and Joab and my master's men are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. We'll stay here today, David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But even then he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. So the next morning David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, Station Uriah in the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy's soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Then Joab sent a battle report to David. He told his messenger, Report all the news of the battle to the king, but he might get angry and ask, Why did the troops go so close to the city? Didn't they know that they would be shooting from the walls? Wasn't Abimelech, son of Gideon, killed at Thebes by a woman who threw a millstone down from the wall? Why would you get so close to the wall? Then tell him, Uriah the Hittite was killed too. So the messenger went to Jerusalem and gave a complete report to David. The enemy came out against us in the open fields, he said, and as we chased them back to the city gate, the archers on the wall shot arrows at us. Some of the king's men were killed, including Uriah the Hittite. Well, tell Joab not to be discouraged, David said. The sword devours this one today and that one tomorrow. Fight harder next time and conquer the city. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There was once two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole, and having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you so much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword, because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says, Because of what you have done, I will cause your household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in sight of all of Israel. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. Psalm 51 Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. 
for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit in me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. 2 Samuel 12, starting in verse 15. After Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife. David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill, they said. What drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshipped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and you're eating again. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and David named him Solomon. The Lord loved the child and sent word through Nathan, the prophet, that they should name him Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord, as the Lord had commanded. These are the names of David's sons, who were born in Jerusalem, Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nepheg, Japhia, Elashima, Eliada, and Eliphet. 1 Chronicles 14. Then David married more wives in Jerusalem, and they had more sons and daughters. These are the names of David's sons who were born in Jerusalem. Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Eliphet, Noga, Nepheg, Japhia, Elashima, Eliada, and Eliphet. 1 Chronicles 3. The sons born to David in Jerusalem included Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. Their mother was Bathsheba, the daughter of Amiel. David also had nine other sons, Ibhar, Elishua, Elpalet, Noga, Nepheg, Japhia, 
Elashama, Elida, and Elphelet. These were the sons of David, not including his sons born to his concubines. Their sister was named Tamar. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.